I don't believe in guilt or shame or looking back and judging the things that you've done in the past because you're coming from a position of someone who knows things now that you didn't know then. And it's important to have empathy for the person you were and when you made those decisions because now that you know those new things, you have to understand that you were doing your best with what you knew then. I'm Harmony Williams, and this is Life Changing Trips. Sometimes it's hard to see the freedom and the beauty that lives behind the weight of everything we carry. But I believe that life is so amazing, and I can't waste another moment. I'm so excited to be here with you for another transformational conversation about experiences and the latest research on plant medicine, meditation, breath work, and other unconventional modalities, and how they are being used for mental health and expansion. I hope by listening that you will find ways to integrate your peak experiences and epiphanies to open up new levels of possibilities, ingenuity, and fulfillment in business, and deeper, authentic connection and passion in your relationships, and a feeling of purpose, of living fully alive. Okay, today I have Christina Alton here, and... This is actually really fun for me because this was my very first interview I ever recorded. And so forgive the audio. Uh, We were in the same room with my son's streaming mic and, you know, it was really, really fun. And I started, didn't know how to edit, started editing it, kind of made a mess of it and gave up. (laughs) And now I am bringing it back from the vault and I'm excited for you to get to hear this. This actually, as I edited it, was very, very emotional for me. My daughter, as many of you know, had been sexually abused and and I'll give you a trigger warning right now here. Um, so was Christina Alton, and my daughter was suicidal and depressed. As I listened to this episode and heard her story, there was times as I was editing this that I was just sobbing and bawling and processing through some of the emotions and the anger and the feelings that I have around what happened to my daughter and not being able to protect my sweet little beautiful innocent girl. It's been really healing for me to do these interviews and to talk with people and to have the hope and and even the reconfirmation as people come back and talk to me and tell me how they it's changed their lives. Just hearing the stories and being able to look for answers for themselves has changed their lives. So I'm glad I listened to my promptings that I needed to start this podcast and not live in fear of what could happen if I'm sharing this information. We talk about ketamine in this one and ketamine is a legal substance. I'm going to record, I actually did just just barely get a chance to do a group ketamine experience and that's something that's quite accessible. There's several clinics here. What I did was with breath work and a light dose and then what we talk about in the middle here, she talks about K-holing. I'd never heard of this, but that would be a much deeper larger dose because ketamine is traditionally used as a 
anesthesia, anesthetic, where they're putting people under for a surgery or for dental work or whatever. It's still used um, actually to this day, but it's a disassociative. So it's a little different than mushrooms or psilocybin or LSD or MDMA or some of these other things we've talked about or ayahuasca. At a larger dose, at smaller doses, you're not disassociated. You're just in a little different state, but larger doses, you do kind of disassociate from your body. So that makes sense what she's talking about. So it's considered very safe. They use it on small children. We did talk about it. If you want to throw back to Ryan Bean, Ryan Bean's episode, he talked about the effects that he has seen combining breath work with it. And when he does it with children and dental work, combining it with empowering mantras or empowering affirmations for them. So I hope you'll listen with an open mind. There are some clinics here. Some of them just kind of give you the medicine and you sit in a room and then you go home. And I would find someone you trust. I would find someone I really think that combining the breath work with it is great. Having therapy and integration before or after whether you do it at the clinic or whether you find a group or come to our integration group, I think that is very beneficial to be able to talk through it. I also want to say it's not the thing for everyone. Like all of these different medicines, they aren't all forever. Like some people it really works for and it works well and other people it doesn't. It doesn't work for may even cause more depression or something after. And, and sometimes that's it may not be necessarily this is a bad thing for you. You just need to process through some of these things that are coming up. Do be aware of that and really have some support. Any type of medicine, whether pill that you can get a prescription for or an ayahuasca journey, just be very mindful. And I, another throwback, Cole Whitty, her episode about just all these cautions around taking medicines and having these deep journeys that you're in a place where you are stable enough and you have support around you. This isn't going to just rock your whole life and put you in a more unstable state because that can happen, especially with people who are already dealing with mental problems or dealing with a lot going on. It's a tricky thing because it can also help people <laughs> that are that are um, in some of those states. So just just some cautions out there. Okay, so with all the cautions and solemn talk behind us, we will jump in. This was a really fun conversation, and I'm so appreciative to Christina for being my first guinea pig ever on the podcast, and we had so much fun, and I really think that her story is neat and unique and can give you an idea of what it's like to do ketamine and to pull back into this higher consciousness where you're able to see all the things that you have happened to you, but not be defined by them. So she was able to release this hold that the abuse that she had as a child had on her. I hope this helps someone out there. And here's Christina Alton. Hi, welcome. I'm so excited to be here with Christina Alton and hear a little bit of her story. I have gotten to know her just briefly the last couple of days and I am blown away. So much fun. So it's like we just have had a blast together and I loved hearing your story and like where you come from. So cool. So if we can just jump right into it, I want to start with your most powerful, like life-changing experience. Absolutely. 
So definitely it was ketamine for me. And it was actually the first psychedelic before mushrooms or acid or anything like that. It was the first time that I had done anything outside of, you know, just regular party drugs, things Mm -hmm. like that. And it was with my absolute best friend. Mm -hmm. He is a trip guide, but we were doing it together and we had talked about it for a while. And he goes, you know, I think you would really love ketamine. Mm -hmm. And I went, ah, you think so? And he goes, I think you would really, really love it getting to know me. And he, he and I call each other our soulmates, but in a friend, you know, and we just, we get each other. Yeah. We're so different and we give each other space. Mm. And if there were someone that I was going to do something like that with, it would definitely be someone who I know gives space and Mm. knows me and that I trust. And so important. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. Um, because I had never had any kind of experience where I was going to be unable to kind of snap back with it immediately mm-hmm. if I needed to or feel, yeah. you know, for the most part in control of my faculties. Yeah. And so the first time we did it, you know, it was just tiny bit, tiny bit more. And we laid back on these two big beanbag bed things and we're just listening to music, watching the lights and everything. And it was really, really fun. I had a great time. And the second time I did it, we did more. And I've heard people talk a lot about Mm K-holing and how they get stuck. They can't move. And it sounds terrible. It sounded awful. I've never heard anybody say, dude, I (laughs) K-holed. It's like, oh man, I (laughs) K-holed. Or, oh, she's going to K-hole or he K-holed. And Uh so I was not looking forward to going quite that far Mm -hmm. um, and didn't intend to. And I didn't realize until quite a while after it happened that that is in fact what I did mm-hmm. was K-hole because I will say, dude, I K-holed and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it. it was so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, the biggest thing, and I, I remember it completely, I remember being able to process a lot of a lot of trauma, a lot of hurt, you know, I don't hang on things in the past. I don't hold grudges against people or things like that, but that doesn't mean you understand or able to, you accept things as, as they've been and as they are, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that you understand it at a higher level to where, um, you can fully heal and be okay with it. Yes, you I can love accept the way you put that. something, but that doesn't mean you're okay with it. Right. And that doesn't mean that you're not still hurting. Mm-hmm. And in my experience, I was able to finally get to a point where I can say now that the things that I experienced growing up, and I can go into it more, but I don't hurt about mm-hmm. them anymore. They don't hurt me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sad. I've always forgiven the little girl who went through the things she went through. Mm. Um, but I never felt like it was okay for that little girl to go and seen and move on with her life. Yeah. Um, and for me, I guess the word forgiveness is the best way to put it. For yourself? For myself and for those who, you know, did horrible things and the people who raised me and the trauma that I went through. I always thought forgiveness seemed like such a funny thing and so hard. And I thought forgiveness just meant I'm not mad at them. I don't have any active emotional 
grudges or axes to grind or anything like that. I didn't even know what forgiveness meant until I K-holed and I got to have that experience. Aside from what you hear people say that, you know, you really don't... I don't know what people say. Oh, you don't? I didn't touch any alcohol, any drugs, nothing. So I was never in this world. So I don't... What do people say about (laughs) K-holing? So the things that I've heard is that it's like you're stuck... Something like when you hear about if somebody is in a coma, but they're in their head and they're trying to scream out or talk to people that you're conscious, but you are not in any way connected to your physical form, your physical being, your body. And you just feel kind of like you're conscious in a cage. Okay. Without being connected physically. It was very much like that, Mm -hmm. but for me, not in a scary way. It wasn't like me, you know, somewhere deep inside my head, shrunken down and screaming, trying to get somebody to hear something or anything else. It was this degree of mindfulness almost. It was a level of mindfulness past doing a mindfulness exercise where you're going from the tips of your toes up to where there was no tips of my toes, there was no fingers, and there was no learned constraints on my conscious processing. Interesting, what do you mean by that? We learn how to think about things. Okay. We look back and we say, why did I do this? Why did they do that? Mm -hmm. What, What were their intentions? Yeah. What did I do wrong? What did they think about me? We. We always come from ourselves because it's the only place we can come from consciously Mm -hmm. is ourselves. So it's everything is in relation to us or our perception. And in that hole, in that K-hole, all of that was gone. Mm -hmm. I felt like I wasn't thinking from any particular point. I wasn't, there was no line that I was processing from. Mm -hmm. And so there was no ability to differentiate me from someone else within my thinking it was more feelings and experiences that I experienced but not in the context of me just in the context of them as an abstract wow this is like it just reminds me of how they say people who have practiced meditation for a long long time and they can reach the state this kind of like you're describing you describe it so beautifully i love the way you explain things it's so it just really helps me understand but they reach this state where they are yeah that oneness or they're not their self they're not there and that sounded to me i just wanted to get to that place meditating but i never could quite sometimes i could get out of kind of the spinning mind Mm -hmm. and get to more peace and relaxation but i I mean i was totally still there and i was still thinking from me from an i so i can say that having studied philosophy going to school for philosophy has helped me be able to kind of put things in order a little bit better and it's also helped me understand abstraction and abstracting Mm -hmm. things apart and separate from what they're normally connected to taking blue as an abstraction not blue things or shades of blue but abstracting it from anything it's connected to or on as much as that's difficult i got fairly good at it 
And I think that may have primed my brain. Yeah. Been for, a little like precursor to yeah. what you were going to experience. Right. Which I had no idea. But then I think it's also helped me then explain it on yeah. the other side of it. Uh, yeah. How do you explain and those things? So to understand fear and how fear can affect us or how fear has been placed in my life, my journey and my experience without thinking about my fears. So instead of thinking about something I may have been afraid of when I was younger, mm-hmm. I had family members who had me fight boys in the neighborhood mm-hmm. and I was afraid mm-hmm. to not fight those fights because I knew I could fight any boy in the neighborhood. I could not fight the older, bigger family members who I would have to face if I didn't go fight. So there's that fear. But then the idea, it's hard to explain perfectly because I think in order to even make sense of it, you have to be in that K-hole state that I was in. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But the best I could explain it is just in general, that deep sense of having to choose from fear, making choices from fear, being fear driven in general, and that we all are in so many ways fear driven Mm -hmm. from the biggest decision of our lives to, you know, simple, small decisions about what we want to make for dinner. And we can't decide between the two things because what we're afraid that we're going to make the thing and then go, this didn't hit the spot. Right. And it's a very simple little fear, but it really but it is also, the fear you know, of making the I wrong choice. I have that choice. all the time. And then like, great, I made this whole recipe and now I have to clean it up and I didn't even like it and mm-hmm. nobody ate it and we're still hungry. And that sounds really ridiculous, yeah. really. But, but it, it's all <laughs> the same thing, mm-hmm. just coming from different places yeah. and leading us to think about potential outcomes that may have more or less weight on our lives Mm -hmm. completely. I think that that was a big thing is that there was no, there was no differentiating what was a bigger deal or a smaller deal. Okay. What was more important or not as important. Mm -hmm. And I just remember processing through the things I've experienced and the way that I've learned to forgive myself and to the best of the time of my ability and to have empathy for the little girl that I was and mm-hmm. the things that she went through and yet also understand that in the context of everyone around me mm-hmm. and that I was sad. I remember there was a period where I was really sad mm-hmm. because I knew that the people who you know had harmed me mm-hmm and who had driven a lot of the trauma that happened to me, that they weren't able to connect to themselves, have empathy for the things they had been through or experienced. I think if, mm-hmm. if someone has empathy for the little girl they were or the person they were last week and experienced mm-hmm. something, they don't come from a place to put that upon anybody else. Yeah. They're so during your, that. during your ketamine that you were sad, I was that, sad. That you're trying, I just wanted yeah. to clarify if that was during your ketamine or yeah. if it was before. No, it was okay. during my ketamine experience that I remember I had a moment of being genuinely sad for those people in my life who had not connected to themselves in that way, who yeah. didn't have empathy for themselves. 
and this was kind of coming out of it, I remember thinking no matter what was done to me or what I had been through, I've lived and I've survived and I've actually thrived. And had they been able to do that, they wouldn't have been the people who had caused such trauma in my life. Right, yeah. And that was the forgiveness. Is just being able to kind of abstract that, that empathy, that awareness, I think even more of some of the people in my lives than they would even have a, for themselves. Right, right. Um, yeah. Do you think you could have gotten to that same depth with talk therapy or... I have done years and years and years of therapy, mm-hmm. all different kinds of therapy. I've done dialectical behavioral therapy. I've done imago therapy. Don't I've done hypnotherapy. <laughs> I've, I've done a, many, many, many years yeah. of therapy. I tend to work with education. So I, if I learn things, if mm-hmm. my therapist is teaching me things, it helps me understand things. Yes. Um, I like the ideas. I like to understand concepts and their content mm-hmm. and what makes those concepts what they are. Yes. It wasn't until that experience that I was able to wholly separate myself from the things that were done to me and where they came from. Mm-hmm. There was always that little why why was I someone that that was okay to do those things to? Why, you know, I was raised by my grandmother who hated my mother tried really hard to get me to hate her too. I was always, you know, why, why did she even want to raise me if I was the child of the daughter she hated from the day she gave birth to her? Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, she, it was awful. It still hurts sometimes, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't actively angry. I didn't walk around carrying it on my shoulder, shoulders, but you know, I trusted her and she was my world and I believed her. And for the longest time, I just felt like, why did she choose to raise me? If she did love me, why why did she love me the way she loved me? Why did the way she loved me hurt so much? Mm-hmm. Did she love me? Yeah. Did she love me? Did she know how to love me? Did she know what that even meant? And in my ketamine experience, I was able to get past that question because... As someone who doesn't believe in introspection and asking a bunch of whys, that's a hard thing. You know, when girls and their mothers, yeah. that's that's a long studied thing. Yeah. And to be able to get over wondering whether or not she loved me because it doesn't matter. I probably couldn't understand even if someone told me absolutely she did, then I'd have a million questions for why on that. Right. And if they told me she didn't, I'd have a million questions for that too. It didn't matter. What mattered was the experiences that I had and what I took from it and that it was okay to not have those answers and it was okay for her to be who she was, Mm -hmm. just like it's okay for me to be who I am today. So huge incredible to be able to get to that point of that depth of knowing of that you know that forgiveness and yeah it's that's I just love it that's That's okay Mm -hmm. it's okay that she was exactly who she was because everything that she had lived through and experienced every moment of her life was a piece of information that built who she was Mm -hmm. and that's okay we are exactly who we are and that's okay 
<laughs> well, I love that experience. I'm so glad I that you shared it with me. I want to try ketamine. So, can I ask you this, and you, if you want to answer or not, have you ever tried, I've heard um, someone online, they said the they found the right combination of ketamine and cannabis was a really incredible experience. Have you ever tried I that haven't. or heard of that? I okay. have not. Yeah, I, I'd like to find someone who can tell me about that. You know, that'd be oh, yeah. cool to see that he just said it was kind of a, like, this is the like least talked about but most amazing or transformative thing that people aren't talking about here. So anyway, I thought I'd give it a try and see if you knew. <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't <laughs> at all. You know. um, now, I don't, I don't purport to be any kind of expert or anything like that. I've only know what I've been told. Yeah. I do know that since then I've done ketamine a handful of times, you know, to different degrees. At least from what I understand and from what I've experienced, there are two fairly distinct types of ketamine. Mm-hmm. One that is more in your head. Okay. One that is more a physical hmm. ketamine. I know that um, there's ketamine that you do that you feel like you're trying to walk through jello. Okay. Kind of when you're walking, it's okay. very physical. And then there's ketamine that I've done that was much more in my head. That's kind of like being drunk, but without the sickness and the, but it's kind of that woozy wiggly okay. kind of thing. Yeah. And the ketamine that I did when I K-hold and had that experience was actually the one that was more physical. Oh, interesting. Um, I feel like it really calmed so much of my physical awareness and consciousness mm-hmm. that once I hit that K-hold point, I was totally separated from my physical awareness and I think that's what led to my then being able to have my consciousness kind of separate from me yeah because we're always existing within us and aware of our existence our physical existence and so I think that once I got to the point where physical kind of disappeared Mm -hmm. that that's when I hit that point um and I know that you know people have mixed them and mix the two together and things like that. So I can't say for sure, you know, exactly what the chemical makeup and structure (laughs) of what I did was. That's as far as I know. I I don't know what they use in that, you know, the ketamine is legal and they do therapy with it. And I don't know exactly what they use there. We had it in powder form and just snorted it little bits at a time. And that was the other thing is, you know, it takes a little bit to kind of come on, mm-hmm. but then it's very easy to monitor where mm-hmm. you are by doing just a little bit at a time right. and kind of seeing how you're feeling and where you're at. It's also nice because unlike when you're drinking, you know, and you have a couple drinks and you're going, woo, I feel great. Let's have another one. And you go, well, if you're feeling great, maybe you should not have another one because <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's when things go bad. Gotcha. Um, but you're able to still be aware of kind of where you are until you hit that hole. Right. And then and, you're gone. But, and I'm not sure why I wasn't afraid of it. Yeah. Once I was there, I was just starting to kind of process differently mm-hmm. and feel like I was, you know, the idea you only use 10% of your brain. That's ridiculous. But our brain does filter through a lot of information that we're taking in all the time and decides what's important. Yes. And I felt like that was changing. What my brain was taking in as important and notable was shifting a little. And I wanted more of that. Yeah. Because it was really neat. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's the best word I use. Peaked epiphany experiences, they they do matter. And then being able to take them into our lives and 
process it. That You touched upon uh, something, though, I wanted to talk to you more about with the whether psychedelic experience is just the medicine or in our mind or whether there's perceptions. I, I think we were talking about dogs and I know I I always think of well the dog whistle I can't hear but the dogs can hear that whistle so there's obviously some things that I can't hear and you were talking about the cones in their eyes even right. too that they don't <clears throat> see red mm-hmm. we see red they don't see it for me even long before I had ever had a psychedelic experience I had some friends who had them I had a very very good friend who had autism as someone would say, a pretty good look of it, mm-hmm. but he was fascinating. He was wonderful. And I would have him over to dinner parties with friends and stuff. And I would tell my friends, listen, we're going to have conversations and Caleb's going to go hard left with the response. <laughs> Just go down the road with him. You're going to learn something and it's super freaking cool. I love it. Because it's almost like watching someone on in a psychedelic experience, but interacting with you right and it, it's a free journey go on it because <laughs> he made that. connections differently than we did yes. he when he would hear somebody talking about something he would take something from it and it would remind him of something or you know trigger him to talk about something that you may think makes no sense or is completely unrelated but it was really cool to see how he did that and he had also done acid and had you know, psychedelic experiences, and we had talked about those things. To think that just because we can see red, or like you said, the fact that we can't hear that dog whistle, clearly in our in our normal, unaffected state, which is almost silly in itself, because mm-hmm. we are all coming with everything we've learned in our baggage and all the neural pathways we've built. Mm-hmm. They're different than everyone else's, which is why we all perceive things and process things a little differently. To think that that's all there is to perceive and process is silly. Mm-hmm. And so to say whether a psychedelic experience is a distortion or an expanded perception or a, a reconstructed perceptive process, mm-hmm. I think that regardless, when people have these experiences, it changes them. They take something from it. Mm-hmm. In philosophy, anything that does real work in the world world is real. Mm-hmm. So when we say unicorns aren't real, well, unicorns may not exist out in the in the forest somewhere. We may not be able to hunt them down and catch them in a cage. But I'm talking about unicorns right now, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you're probably picturing a unicorn out in a forest somewhere. <laughs> That's a very real thing. Yeah. Just like love is a very real thing. Anger is a very real thing. Fear is a very real thing. They all do real work in the world. They are real. They may not be physical mm-hmm. entities, but they are real. Can I jump in? With yes, story? absolutely. Okay. My friend was it posted this thing that her daughter wrote, and it was so adorable. It was, I think the assignment was like, what I think God is. She wrote, my dad says that God is real and that he is is our heavenly father and he loves us and that we should do these things and God told us to do these things, right? And my mom, she talks to trees. I don't know if God exists. All I know is that unicorns are real. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, I wish I could have said that better and more eloquently, but it's the punchline that gives you like, I don't know about this God thing because everybody has all these ideas about God and my mom talks to trees. 
but I know unicorns are real. <laughs> yeah, they are. Love it. And I just gave a philosophical <laughs> argument that she could put in her pocket, <laughs> carry with her for the rest of life. They absolutely are. Oh, so one more. So I had this experience where I was sitting by a stream and just, it was incredible. The music, the stream, it wasn't like, you know, people say, oh, the symphony of nature, right? It wasn't just the symphony of nature, This, but it was like different instruments were playing a song for me through this stream. It was so incredible. And then I went over into the trees in the forest to pee, right? And I'm like squatting down and getting comfortable. You know how you kind of just like have to breathe a little and you get in that meditative state, right? And then I'm, I'm squatting here in front of my chair. But um, <laughs> so I kind of sink in there and then all of a sudden I like whip my head around because I thought someone was walking past me with their phone like music on. And it was different than over there by the stream. And I was like, okay, no one's around. No one's watching me pee. I'm good. Kind of sunk back down. Same thing once I got into that, like, ready to, ready to pee. And I turned my head because I thought someone was coming by with this music, this song with different instruments in it. And it was different. The trees songs were different than the stream songs. It was mm -hmm. such a cool experience. So anyway. Yeah, you were taking that in completely and you were allowing that to play for you and you were paying attention to that so you were still open to those sounds that you were hearing and how they move together it makes mm -hmm. sense though that now when they're different suddenly the song has changed right? <laughs> yeah I can sometimes hear just in the car driving on the road in the background and it I you know like it's a song it's kind of this background and when I tune into it whatever those different little background hums or noises then they get stronger and deeper and anyway, got this audio thing. Oh yeah, on. when I was, the house I grew up in was not far from the freeway. Mm -hmm. It was like an expressway. And everyone would go, gosh, it's so noisy, it's so loud, how do you sleep? And I'd always sleep with my window open. And to me, because you just heard it sounded like the ocean. Yeah, oh, I love that. And it was a white noise machine for right. me because I couldn't hear any little you know, creak or crack of the house or things mm -hmm. like that. It just, I could hear the air changing as cars were going by more than the cars themselves. Right. It was, I love that. It and wasn't this disturbing Yeah, I know. With the first time that I lived somewhere where it wasn't near a busy road or highway or anything like that, it was eerie. Oh, Because the, the lack of sounds and the different sounds that I heard, mm -hmm. because then I was hearing sounds individually each sound and what it was coming from versus all of the sound kind of coming together and whooshing up through my window. When we hear these things or see these things, like you said, in that, in that moment, you heard the way that it came together and it was like music. It was like a song. Mm -hmm. And when people have psychedelic experiences, we were talking about it before, I think to assume that it's, a distortion or even more so my philosophical brain my philosopher brain says what what is the purpose of any distinction between a distortion and a maybe an expanded perception mm -hmm. what's the difference what's the distinction what does it matter that's what I want to say like what who, who cares I guess or why why does it matter not just who cares but why does it matter right. I mean that's a decent it, 
if we're going to go on a journey of trying to distinguish whether or not what you experience, what you see, what you feel, um, what you hear or taste or smell when you're having a psychedelic experience, whether it is so-called real or it exists, quote unquote, right. what will that distinction do? How, what do we take from that? If we were able to answer that, would it change the way that those experiences affect the people who had them? I like to personally think that just like we can't hear the dog whistle, there are so many things that we are not able to process, to consciously be aware of, because there's so much information to come into our brains and is absolutely impressive as the human brain is Mm -hmm. it can't take it all in it's why when we're looking at something our brain filters so much of it out yeah is because it's more than we can process right and sometimes if we're able to shut down certain parts of our processing and our conscious system and maybe be able to then perceive some things that normally are cut out Mm -hmm. which is how i feel like psychedelic experiences are kind of put together for us yeah is that we are no longer taking that information in and filtering it in that standard way mm-hmm. you know i've had lots of dreams in my life that i wake up i remember i'm cool and it's great and it's this and that but it doesn't necessarily change you mm-hmm. but to have a psychedelic experience where you have these experiences and they actually change you even after the fact tells me that everything you experienced is from a philosophical standpoint real yes i love that and i that's what i'd say to the skeptic yeah if it changes someone's life does it matter whether do we need to debate whether it's real real. quote or not so i have a friend that her son just always into trouble causing her problems and behavioral all these things he's a teenager every time we'd talk we'd chat and you know she'd talk about him and the problems and I talked to her this last time and she said he's doing amazing he's done like a total u-turn like it's incredible he does this and all these she's telling me all these things about how his behavior and who he is and you know it just seems different I said that's so awesome that's incredible I'm so happy and she said but there's like she kind of like he's started doing mushrooms and I and I'm like okay and she said I told him and and she she said he said he found God and his life has changed and goosebumps I know (laughs) and and she told she said I told him that's not how you find God you pray and you read your scriptures and that's how you find God and you know that's how you change your life and I said what if this is his way to God? God put those on, you know, if you mm-hmm. believe in God, he put those on earth. And what if this is his pathway, his way? Why is that lessen his experience and his change? It helped him. It changed him. And his behavior is the proof that his life has been changed. So why are we saying, no, it can't be through psychedelics it has to be through this way this is the only way that you can have a life-changing experience or you can be a better person is if you follow these rules that somebody told me that god told them and that's how you do it and well i was just 
I love that because I was thinking earlier we talked about the whistle. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she had told him that before, how he finds God and reading the scriptures and all of these things. Right. He wasn't hearing that whistle. <laughs> right. That was not the whistle for him. That was not his whistle, definitely. Mushrooms were his whistle. Right. I know I found out that my son had done mushrooms um, not long before I actually finally tried them and they worked for me. Okay. And now that, you know, he's an adult and we talk about these things openly, I've always been very real with my son though his father and I have always been very honest because Mm -hmm. we didn't want to raise him the way people our age and most of the people I know older than me as well have been raised which is you hit a certain point you become an adult and you go oh my gosh I'm a really bad adult this is I am not being a good adult I'm doing mushrooms and acid and I'm smoking DMT at Red Rocks at a tribe called Quest concert and (laughs) I am a bad adult and it's not the case the case is that we were given a filtered version of what adults looked like right and it's this show that's put on and then we have no idea what real adulthood actually means and what it means it just means you could eat cake for breakfast (laughs) and you have to you have other people who depend on you. Besides that, we're still idiots who are learning stuff. And sometimes we want to do stupid stuff. Right, <laughs> and experience it for ourselves. We just have to like, suffer the consequences and own them more of ourselves yes. than our parents coming along and cleaning it up. But isn't it beautiful but, to be able to experience something and own the consequences right. for yourself and, and know what it feels like yourself? And to be I able like to that. totally screw up and still pay your bills next month. Right. <laughs> It's actually really cool. And so it was important for us that our son sees that adulting is a whole lot of responsibility and a whole lot of still experimenting and exploring. You don't hit an age where you have now figured it out and this is who you'll be forever. I'm sure there are people who do and my heart breaks for them (laughs) because they're the people who end up ripping their hair out in the car in the driveway and not wanting to go in the house when they get home after work wanting to just throw everything everywhere and they're the people who fake their deaths and they're the people who you know just disappear on their families because they haven't actually just allowed themselves to be holy themselves so in that in talking to my son and the whole mushrooms thing you know he has said that you know he smokes pot he's never really been a big fan of alcohol Mm -hmm. um you know he'll he's had some times where he got drunk and he just can't stand the taste to where it's not even worth it to right. him. Which is funny because I am a big whiskey scotch. I'm a scotch drinker. Um, maybe that was part of it too, is smelling it from a young age. He was like, ew. But he was saying that, you know, when he like microdoses, he has every Friday night, does poker night with a group of friends. And he microdoses and doesn't really want to smoke weed. And he he's in a perfectly good state yeah. where he's just enjoying himself. And having fun, there's no need for more, more, more. Yeah. Which so many substances will kick you into wanting more and more and more. The way that they affect your dopamine and things like that. You stop producing that dopamine because the drug or the substance does it for you. But then as it wears off, then you kind of feel that lull. And then you want more of it. You need more of it because your brain is kind of put that to the side and stop doing it because it doesn't need to the substance or or doing it for you. Right. And you know more about mushrooms and how they work chemically than I do. Researched is that they actually attach to the same receptor in the brain as your serotonin receptor. So MDMA takes all of your serotonin and just like dumps it and drains it. So you feel it all, but then you can have that dip. 
with mushrooms, it's attaching to those. It's filling those same similar receptors. That's as far as I know. He's just, he's always been socially very adept. He's, you know, kind of a little bit more of an introvert, but in the right environments, <laughs> he's hilarious. He's very outgoing. He's extremely likable. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also somebody, and he's someone who other people's anger or frustration or attitudes or judgment or the way that they are being toward him, he doesn't take that on. Oh, nice. And he gets that from his dad. Thank God goodness yes. he doesn't take on other people's stuff even if what a they're directing it toward him mm-hmm. that's still theirs that they're sending out yeah he decides whether to take it in or not that doesn't mean that he doesn't have his own things that he deals with yeah he just is consciously aware of not directing those outward at others the times he's done acid he said one time he got into a, a loop and he was telling me that people have talked about how they hate getting in that loop and he loved it because it was like a dog chasing its tail. But he's like, but it was cool because it slightly changed. I kept going around and around, but it was like, it was changing a little. So it was like a spiral or, mm-hmm. but it, he thought it was really cool. So it's I think have that, a fun merry-go-round yeah. ride, you know, going around and around. <laughs> the way that you go into things, I think, and just yeah. the way that you kind of deal with things on a daily basis and in your normal processing has another effect on that. I'm glad that I waited until I was much older to try anything like this. My son is a very different type of person and I have no doubt that he was ready to try those things when he did because of the way that he processes. I wish I was like that when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I wasn't. Everyone's at different places. Like they're not for everyone at every time in your life that you need to be in the right space and the right space of mind and the right place uh, physically and the right people like you were saying with your ketamine just the trust that you had in there you've dropped so many like things i just was yes like these sound bites i'm like oh that's so so good such truth but trust is big all of those things it's just not for anybody in any condition and it can be misused or it can be uh, maybe even detrimental to some people things like that but there's this new wave of people using it very consciously Right. As you were saying, consciously earlier, and that. intentionally. Yes, going in with intention. Yeah, and understanding. Mm-hmm. For me, I know I couldn't have done it when I was younger, and even in my twenties, because I was still very hard on myself. I had a lot of judgment, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, mm-hmm. and they were active issues with shame and guilt and all of that and my fear was that I would get into some shame loop guilt loop yes. in that state oh, yeah. and feel worse and I think that can happen and yeah. just kind of spiral down into that negative place and then of course be in that and here I am high on whatever it is yeah. just some horrible terrible high scumbag you know mm-hmm. I um so being in a place where I was okay with whether it was good or not I was curious and I was open to it and that I knew that it wasn't going to be an indicator of whether I was good or bad Mm -hmm. or broken or put back together again that it wasn't me trying to look deeper into my awfulness or wonderfulness right um that I was okay with whatever it was going to be because I was finally okay with me and all of my 
flaws and mess and strength and success and ability to overcome all kinds of things. And I thought, boy, if I have overcome the things that I have overcome in life, I am ready to have whatever experience I have. And I'm pretty sure I'll live through it just fine. And because of that, I, I've had nothing but great experiences. And it's trusting who you're with. It's trusting why you're doing it. It's trusting yourself to be able to handle it, whether it's good or bad, and being open to that. I think if you're afraid, you're priming yourself. And if you're not being conscious and intentional, you're doing the opposite. You are not priming yourself and you have no idea what demons you may, (laughs) you may open the door and meet. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Oh my goodness. That, that's just like wraps it up. People when they're considering something of this magnitude, that they're super powerful and you said it perfectly. I just need to like drop the mic and walk away. looking forward to my next experiences because I plan on like taking semi-contemporaneous notes as soon as I'm able to pick up a pen and write. I am going to take notes and I'm going to get a hold of you and we will do another one yes, of these. Yes. So we can more. get details oh. about the experiences themselves. I think it would be fun to actually get into those experiences now knowing that I have someone to talk to yes. about them yeah. and being like, okay, like lucid dreaming almost. Right, so I'm yeah. going to have to uh, have yeah. some lucid trips. <laughs> we can bring in like a therapist to help us integrate it all. Heck if we yeah. really want to or we can just chat about it. Oh, I love that. That's so good. I, I will say thank you so much and just end it there. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks so much for subscribing and leaving a review. Come join our amazing free community, Life Changing Trips. There's a link in the description. All content is for informational, entertainment, educational, and harm reduction purposes only. Life-Changing Trips and Harmony Williams and their affiliates and guests are not doctors or mental health professionals or legal advisors. Any information shared is not meant to treat, diagnose, or claim cures for any physical conditions or mental illness. Psychedelics and sacred plant medicines are not for everyone, even when done legally. There are serious contraindications with various health conditions and pharmaceutical medications. Please do your own research and take action to be informed. Remember that you are 100% responsible for your actions and subsequent consequences. The views of the guests are not the views and opinions of life-changing trips.